0: Before we get into this episode, I just want to say a big thank you to our supporters Festival Republic. You've probably spent a weekend in a field with them at some point. They put on some of the UK's best known festivals. They're also leading when it comes to sustainability. This year, they're collaborating with Music Declares Emergency to transition their event power to grid energy and are displaying the carbon footprint of the food on sale. They've already switched single-use plastic bottles to those made from recycled materials, brought in deposit return schemes for cups and are zero waste to landfill. They are actively engaged in greening the music industry through Vision 2025, a body bringing outdoor events and climate goals together. Sounds Like a Plan is all about ideas and solutions, so it made sense to me to team up with one of the most proactive festival organisers out there. One of their main events is Wireless Festival, an incredible lineup this year. It takes place across three different sites, including Finsbury Park, North London, between the 8th and the 10th of July 2022. Tickets are on sale now. Head to FinsburyPark.org wirelessfestival.co.uk forward slash tickets to get yours that's finsburypark.wirelessfestival.co.uk forward slash tickets so big up festival republic for their support and their essential work they say their job is to preserve the live music experience for generations to come and that is something we can all get behind Hello and welcome to Sounds Like a Plan, a podcast all about how the music world is taking action in the climate crisis. My name is Greg Cochran, I'm a journalist and podcaster.
1: And I'm Faye Milton, a musician, producer and co-founder
0: of Music Declares Emergency. This time on the podcast we speak to Ugandan rapper, community organiser and founder of Lango Indigenous Hip Hop, Jasper Awani.
1: Yes, we'll hear about how music is the basis of action and education in a region feeling some of the most
0: severe effects of the
1: climate emergency.
0: And before we go, we'll also leave you with some recommendations.
1: So let's get into the podcast.
0: We're now into April. Do we call it Earth Month? Is that what we're calling this? Maybe, We're in the run up to Earth Day. Yeah, so let's, I guess we call it Earth Month. I'm imagining things that increasingly getting busy for you now is that is that fair to say
1: yeah music declares emergency are doing lots and lots and lots and lots of things for earth day they're all kind of happening on earth day so it's it's kind of mad to try and fit so much into one day but um it's really exciting bringing loads of different partners together from literally all over the globe to share the message and come together in solidarity around the climate causes so and music of course so yeah Busy
0: times. Yeah, Earth Day, April the 22nd. It's Friday. So that, put that in your diary. There's so much happening. Faye, since we last spoke on the podcast, the concluding part of the current IPCC report was published. And Ed Hawkins, who was our guest last time out on the podcast, mm. was one of the lead authors of this definitive report. And basically, the IPCC report if you're listening and you've never either come across it or read it or maybe you've just heard a bit about it or maybe you've read every single word of it you'll know that it is the foundational text basically for where we're currently at with the climate science it's it is worth a read I should say like I mean it sounds like a really dense recommendation but um Faye I know that you've been sharing it with Music Declares Emergency in the past week or so what what are your kind of like feelings around that because it's this was the concluding part There's basically three chapters to the current IPCC report or it's divided into three three kind of areas and so like the full thing is out there now the whole thing exists doesn't it?
1: Mm, Yeah that's right and yeah I had a bit of a moment with it actually because I don't usually read articles about climate change I know it sounds a bit mad but like I feel like I've read and learned so much that it's like Hmm. I kind of know what I need to know and just keep moving forward with that but yeah I took time to read this um, Long Guardian article about it and it just really hit so hard just really understanding how little time there is it's like it has to be basically like a COVID-19 like response like everyone stop what you're doing and do this and Mm. get off fossil fuels basically that's like the number one thing just sort of had that kicking home again and it's been a while since I've had that moment of like fuck <laughs> like this is really really bad and I literally just sat there and bawled my eyes out for about half an hour and then i was like well what can i do about this and then wrote to my mp and said like you need to do something about this you've got more power than i have and this is really serious please read this article mm. and then i sent it to my family i said please read this article you can do three things you can switch your bank you can change your energy provider, and you can write to your MP again and send them links for everything, switching your bank, obviously, to ones that don't support fossil fuels. Then I was like, well, that's not enough. I wrote to the BBC. (laughs) I wrote Mm -hmm. a letter to the BBC. I googled, how do you write to the BBC? Because they'd reported it on the news in the morning, and they'd said, this final climate report's come out, and the headline was that we need carbon capture. And it's like, hang on there, Leaping minute. That's not the headline. The headline is we have to stop fossil fuels now, like completely now, meaning today. I was thinking it's actually a hindrance to report incorrectly this sort of this message. Key climate scientists around the entire world, you know, it's like the ultimate knowledge we have on this. They're desperate for people to know that we have to end fossil fuels immediately, and then the BBC is reporting it in a different way. That's actually really bad. So I wrote letters to BBC, I've written to my MP, I've literally become that person. But it's desperation, really. And then also just decided to, you know, reinvigorate that sort of despair turned back into like, this is why I do this work. This is why I'm working towards this stuff. And yeah, maybe in three years time, it will be too late. But right now it's not. So it's like, Mm. keep going, keep reminding people this is an emergency. I think we heard in 2019, Extinction Rebellion coming out saying this is a climate emergency and that's the first time we'd really talked about it in those words. And it's weird, you hear the word emergency enough times and it doesn't feel like an emergency anymore. So Mm, it's sort of remembering that this is urgent, this is like stuff that we need to act on immediately. Working in activism all the time, you sometimes get numbed to it a bit and laugh things off because you can't carry that weight all of the time. But... Mm. This week I did, but yeah, it spurred me on, spurred me on to keep fighting the good fight. And then, you know, once it's too late, I'll put my feet up and say, I told you so for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) No, hang on, that's the wrong attitude.
0: We're going to fix it. We're going to
1: solve it. We're going to do this. It's possible. We can make it. We can stop fossil fuels.
0: Well, yeah, thank thank you for that. And I think, well, so we'll definitely post in the show notes the link to the article that you mentioned there, Fakes. It sounds really, really useful. As Ed Hawkins, who was, like I said, one of the lead authors on that IPCC report, who was on the podcast last time out, said, but there isn't a definitive cliff edge to this. It just keeps getting worse. So like with every point of a degree, the planet continues to warm, things get worse. So like, We've got to keep fighting. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't, it won't just be a switch. Yeah, we're fighting to stop those incremental changes. And do go back and listen to to the Ed Hawkins episode if this sounds like something you want to hear more about, because he was obviously very, very eloquent talking about the work that he's done on that project shall we uh shall we talk a little bit about our guest on this week's podcast yeah
1: absolutely and what an amazing yeah.
0: so, guest so i really like the conversation we're bringing listeners today for quite a few different reasons our guest is jasper awani who's also known as deal Raphael Jesby. uh jasper obviously isn't going to be a household name to many of our listeners but i would like to share a little bit of a clip of him in action phase. so here we go
2: man look Flow! man perfection Friki,
0: And that was a clip of his song Luga Flow. And if you go to Lango Indigenous Hip Hop.org, you can hear loads more of jasper's music and the music of the of the projects that he works on Now jasper is a really impressive person he has qualifications in agriculture and sustainable development he's currently studying in switzerland where he was speaking to us i think on a break from his work maybe like his lunch break or something like that he is an artist and a community youth activist he's the founder of an organization called lango indigenous hip-hop in his native uganda and he describes himself as a hip-hop practitioner which I love that term, mm. uh, basically using the art form of rap to communicate and promote relevant messages, particularly around the climate emergency. Now, his organisation don't just use lyric writing, performance and DJing to engage young Ugandans, but they also use it to preserve indigenous culture, stories and practices They use that creativity to spread messages into other communities, specifically passing on educational messages around sustainable agriculture, farming and information about the ever-increasing threat of climate change. I think this is particularly interesting hearing from Jasper because obviously he's working in a region that would often be described as the front line of the the climate emergency. I I mean, to be honest, I think anywhere and everywhere that's affected by more extreme weather events can be described as the front line of the climate crisis. But it's definitely true that Jasper is working in an area that is disproportionately affected by the consequences of human created climate change. So apologies for the long introduction. I just feel like context is really important backdrop to what you're about to hear. It is a pleasure to introduce Jasper Awani on Sounds Like a Plan. Jasper it's great to have you join us on the podcast before we get into talking about your work it would be great to talk for a moment just about music and specifically hip hop just to get to know you a little bit when where and how did you fall in love with hip hop originally the art of hip hop and rap
2: hip hop is a you know a culture that is identified with the africans it has been always part of our cultures. it is an ancestral practice but of course because they were blacks from africa that gives us a high belief that that thing was a you know our own practice i am hip hop you know my connection to hip-hop started a long time ago, when I was still a child, having to uh, experience the power of hip-hop from uh, specifically the Bataka Squad, who are actually the pioneers of the Loga flow movement. The word logo means languages. They were the ones bringing that on board all over the country. And now that was the time when we came out with that concept, the Loga flow to make sure we are promoting the agenda of the indigenous hip-hop practitioner. We do believe that hip hop itself is knowledge. It is very area specific, cultural specific, and we can speak to many people with that. And that's why we have new innovative ways how we can use hip hop to advance community development.
0: Yeah, yeah. Did you, you mind telling us a little bit about your background, your upbringing, like where you grew up and the kind of music that you were surrounded by?
2: Mm, I grew up in northern Uganda, being a place that uh, experienced 20 years of war since the eighty six, coming to the 90s. And then for 20 years, we have been in war and uh, people have been, you know, very hopeless. From my perspective, like I said, having to experience the power of hip hop during that childhood, it was bothering me a lot. How can I get connected and how can I share? the love of music with other people yeah so that's how my journey started even when i'm not doing songs i am hip-hop in my daily life in uganda back then the music that was really dominant was the lingala from congo and then we had our own cultural music that we used to listen to all the time for me myself was about you know how can i make this penetrate because i know you don't have to go to school to rap and then we want to see people you know uh, moving to represent their different communities, whether in the U.S., in the U.K., using their local language to tell them this is who we are. That has been really very powerful to do that ancestral work. Mm.
0: yeah. yeah. And can you tell us a little bit more of what the um, Lango Indigenous Hip Hop Project does? So like, how do you get together? Is it workshops? Is it community activities? Is it events? What is it? If t- if somebody was hearing about this for the first time, what would you tell them?
2: Well, Lango Indigenous Hip Hop for us, we are striving to make sure we contribute to raising young people who have unlimited voice. We do a lot of events for them in terms of remix conferences, the bootcamps that we make to make sure relatives within the hip-hop culture are coming together, meeting to, first of all, access knowledge, not just hip-hop education, but also how they can relate because that is where they keep solving. You know, even with the climate action, I am happy to tell you that the hip-hop supports so much about environmental protection, about the health of the earth, and then also demonstrating exactly what roles hip-hoppers can actually take on to make sure our earth is more healthy for the people. That requires a bit of education. Our role is to study and learn our cultures as much as possible, then use that to effect change. So, and that requires a whole Mm -hmm. lot of knowledge. Even before we tell them about climate action, they have to know this, that they get to know Okay, we have a responsibility as a young people to make sure we still maintain that environment. Because the elders left it for us, now we are we are surviving on that land, telling out loud, you know, the truth about climate change, the truth about environmental protection, you know, the truth about climate justice as well. We are coming from a background of lack of knowledge, lack of this, lack of the other. So building becomes a very big issue to us. So it becomes so paramount to uh, making sure that our generations are held accountable. So for us as the hip hop community, we ask ourselves, what do we do in these horrendous times? What do we do? So it was about gathering hip hopers together and say we can go and train people with alternative skills,
1: one of, one of the things I can see that you're doing really, really successfully is bringing people together through music. To, to take action locally. And that action also has repercussions globally. So it's building communities, keeping communities together through the music that you're creating. Does this storytelling and information passing from one person to another, especially the the information from elders about how to look after the trees, how to look after the environment, does that make it into the lyrics of the music?
2: Yes, to throw the music is fine, but. We want it to be like um, a community led thing that they get to know, Okay, when they when we listen to the music, it is true. When we go to our gatherings, it is also true. You know, the leaders should be the ambassadors telling people that this message is true and we have to act on that.
0: First off, like your your explanation of the significance and the role that hip hop can play in the community earlier on was just superb. The way that it links the preservation of wisdom of the past and stories of the past to the, the present moment and also effectively with, particularly with the young artists that you work with, writing the, the future of the local community. Like it's kind of almost like a, a preservation of the past, but also making sure that the future is going to be told just as, just as well, yeah. just as thoroughly. And, and I wondered what engagement was like, particularly amongst the, the sort of young artists and activists that you work with. Are, are they keen to talk? Are they keen to write and to create about the urgency of the climate crisis? Is it a topic that they're really, really engaged with?
2: Yes, because when you see our events that we do, we have to prepare them to take charge. Some of them don't know the responsibility of a true hip-hopper. It is not any different. The aspect of culture and the hip-hop practice when you're growing as a young hip-hopper, you are aware of your environment. You know your language. You know your culture. You know your identity. You know the cultural practices. How do you extract that knowledge and be able to use it positively to move forward, because there are so many areas where they can contribute holding leaders accountable in terms of decisions, uh, you know, using their mic power, you know, to communicate, you know, to motivate, educate people about environmental protection. And that is what is happening right now.
1: I've heard you mention a few times now the, the responsibility of a true hip-hopper. Hip-hop's obviously worldwide genre. People know about it everywhere and people are fans of hip-hop everywhere. But to you, what's a true hip-hopper and what is mic power and how can hip-hop fans use their responsibility?
2: You know, like I said, hip-hop is about love, community and service. They wanted to see an environment where they can grow and thrive. They wanted better. They wanted stuff that, they wanted to grow you know Mm. without community you you cannot change anything and that's why we advocate for the indigenous people practitioner
1: brilliant and mic power how would you describe mic power
2: mic power is just about the lyrical ability that you can use to bring out loud what you want to pass on so in terms of climate action then we say okay we are going to be showing the truth of environmental protection if we are not communicating with the community and and you know asking them to do more than we have seen then we are not being true to ourselves.
1: Yeah. Fantastic. I think mic power is such a great phrase and it's something that can really, you know, anyone who has a platform has mic power, you know. Anyone who sings music or performs in plays or has that kind of uh, that enhanced platform use their mic power so what an inspiration yeah
2: maybe yes to just let you know hip-hop is is a very nice acronym
1: yeah what's the acronym
2: the hip-hop means helping individual person to help other people Mm -hmm. oh wow i love that then in the end when we help individual persons to help other people time comes when the multiplier effect is just huge because we believe so much in passing that knowledge to to, to the next generation. You could be asking, what is hip hop doing in the climate space? What is hip hop doing in agriculture? What is hip hop doing in politics? What is hip hop doing in entertainment? That's a very big responsibility for the hip hopers. Yeah.
1: That's an incredible attitude. It would be great to see, you know, that global network of hip hop really start resonating um as one to like as you said to sort of help individual people to help other people that's like the definition of using a platform and using that mic yeah. power to to create more change yeah. than
2: one person can create by themselves
0: am i am i right in thinking that hip-hop appreciation week is in may this year is that right
2: yes it's uh, always on the third week of of may
0: brilliant brilliant My final questions, Jasper, about the UN COP summit that took place in in the UK in Glasgow last year. So COP twenty six is obviously going to be on the African continent this year, twenty twenty two in Egypt. It feels to me like the Lango Indigenous Hip Hop project should be there, making a cultural noise. Like that would be fantastic if you could be there. Have you got any plans to do that?
2: Yes, of course. That's why we keep designing all the time. So yeah and we are very grateful for this sort of connections you know to make people get to know what we are doing from our spaces and you know stuff like that yeah we are doing something for that
0: Thank you again to Jasper. First off, we'd love to hear what you made of that conversation. Maybe you were hearing about Lango indigenous hip hop for the first time. We are at sounds like a plan podcast on Instagram and you can email us as well. We are sounds like a plan podcast at gmail.com. Faye, what did you make of our, of our chat with Jasper?
1: I just thought it was brilliant. And I loved when he was talking about the, um, the, the responsibility of a hip hopper. (laughs) Yeah, It was like, that's not a concept I've ever heard before. And I think it's, actually really refreshing and really brilliant that as a music fan or as part of a genre you can have a responsibility for standing up for the roots of that genre and, and what's made it and what's built it so that's yeah it's really nice to hear that and really sort of opened a whole new little world in my mind
0: definitely yeah and obviously listeners weren't able to see jasper as we spoke but he's a really infectious and passionate person to spend time with like just smiling throughout and just kind of like yeah fantastic to hear him speak on this podcast we've created a space for some really great conversations about music in the past and and how that intersects with, with climate action but this felt like really direct stuff that he was talking about there were maybe three things that i really loved about what Jasper had to say in the Lango indigenous hip hop project i mean obviously indigenous communities are under threat from the from the climate crisis and you know directly and indirectly in terms of the consequences of of severe weather and not only is that really tremendously like sad but also obviously completely unjust uh, and hearing Jasper talk about that just really hit home that point for me so the fact that this project is somehow archiving local indigenous culture via music and creating you know modern history for that for his indigenous community via music just feels really really important i think like obviously changing climate is the message that jasper and the project is spreading but music is the the direct messenger and and i just i love that you know using rap Mm. as the tool to educate basically doing community outreach work in a way that's accessible and memorable and fun and most of all obviously most importantly Mm. impactful and then I also just liked Jasper's kind of sense of service to all of this. He talked about Ooh. himself and his colleagues and his friends as hip hoppers, like you said, love that term. <laughs> um, and obviously you mentioned rap, you mentioned hip hop, and everyone will have a picture in their mind as to what that culture is and what it means. Um, probably different depending on the type of music you listen to, or where you are in the world. But I felt that like Jasper's hip hop core values really tied to his own, obviously, that of kind of peace and love, unity, fun respect all those kind of things that he talked about Mm. so i'm just really full of admiration for everything that he's doing huge positive impact of the work that he's done to date and i just hope it continues to grow i do hope that he's gonna be at cop 27 later in the year as well so i think we can yeah i just felt like we could all learn something from jasper's approach even if it's just to pick up on some of his kind of like infectious enthusiasm for this stuff
1: yeah absolutely and i think it's really sort of it's comforting to know that there's these groups all around the world doing their thing in their place and using music and using culture to have a good time whilst also fixing some really stressful issues. Um, so there must be so many groups that we don't even know about working on this issue. And that just fills me full of hope and positivity. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm going to post some links in the show notes to Jasper's music and, and the Lango Indigenous hip hop project so that um, so that you can go and check it out and listen to more of it, read more about it. It's absolutely brilliant. shall we get some recommendations for this week's podcast
1: so i've got two hashtags for people to follow just stop oil it's a youth activist group who are just simply saying we need to stop oil which is stopping fossil fuels which is just basically the very simple thing we need to do to stop climate change and the other thing of course is hashtag no music on a dead planet which has been music declares emergencies hashtag for a while since we launched but we've basically set it free like we're telling everyone to get together come together and use this hashtag to talk about how we want to come together as humans to save what the amazing things we've done together. We think about the music we've created, the cultures that we've created throughout the world. And that's what's at stake. And we're inviting everyone to get involved and use that hashtag. And over Earth Day, Earth Week, it's going to be used all over the world. I don't even know what's going to come Mm. up, but there's going to be loads of really, really great, interesting climate music action stuff
0: coming up on there. Brilliant, brilliant. Sounds great. I know that you love a book club, am I right?
1: Oh, I love a book club. Everything starts with a (laughs) book club.
0: (laughs) Um, Well, this week I want to recommend Climate Solutions Book Club. I came across this via Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I came across this via Twitter maybe about a month ago and I thought Faye's going to love that. Our listeners are going to love that. What a great idea. I'm going to tell everybody on the podcast about it. (laughs) Um, It's run by Paul Dawson and you can find Paul on Twitter at Paul E. Dawson. Um, And As always, I mean, before I talk about a little bit about this, I'll put put links in the show notes so that you can go and check it out. If you are someone who reads lots of books about the theme of climate, or maybe you want to and you don't currently, Maybe you just want to chat to other people about those books. You can join Climate Solutions Book Club. The community of members vote on the book choices. They meet up online. They talk about those reads. And some of the, um, I think even some of the online meetups that they do have guest Q&As with some of the authors of the books that they they select and things like that. Sounds really, really good. They had Michael Mann on there in the past. I know that. Just search for Climate Solutions Book Club. Great way to feed your brain, have some stimulating conversations about this stuff, and also meet other clients minded people that's all we've got time for on this episode of sounds like a plan we hope you've enjoyed being with us next time out we've got something very special lined up for earth day so do stay with us for that and we look forward to joining you then thanks for listening thanks for streaming this episode of sounds like a plan Bay Milton was your host along with me, Greg Cochran. This podcast is made by New Allotment. You can find more about them at newallotment.com. And this episode was edited by Tim Cochran with more info at TimothyCochran.com. Our theme music was created by lightandthunder.com and the artwork is by Stuart Stubbs. Until the next time we're together, thanks for listening.